Hi everyone, I hope you're well and welcome to the Lobster Club, a brand new podcast dedicated to the wonderful Costa del Sol. I'm Nick Bell and this in this podcast we are going to explore everything about this wonderful slice of España with the help of my co-hosts Chris Marquez and Alex Ashmore. In this week's episode we're going to be talking about the beautiful town of Alameda, some fantastic upcoming events as well as the latest news and information straight from the Costa del Sol. So without any hesitation, let me introduce you to my co-hosts. We've got the wonderful Chris Marquez. Hello, Chris. Hi, Nick. Great to be here. And we've also joined by the fantastic Alex up in Galicia. Hello, everybody. It's exciting. Well, I'm sort of channeling the Costa del Sol vibe and weather and hoping that means that Galicia stays sunny and not rainy as it meant to be next week. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed on that front. Well, like I say, we are a brand new podcast, everything dedicated to the cost of our soul. However, at this moment in time, none of us actually reside there, which is quite interesting to say the least. However, we've all got a huge admiration and love for the place. So we thought we'd start off with a few introductions. Tell us why we love the cost of our soul so much, why we wanted to make this podcast. And then we'll get into the main meat of today's show. So, Chris, you first, if you'd like to introduce yourself. I'm Chris Marquez, 36-year-old. I live in Holland, born in Malaga, from a traditional Spanish family. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I am originally from Benalmadena, uh, born in Malaga City. Um, yeah, just just a normal Spanish family, I think, hardworking people. My father is a taxi driver. My uncle was a taxi driver. My um, granddad was a taxi driver. Uh, but before my granddad was one of the first firemen of Malaga Airport, when the airport was built, he, uh, yeah, they needed firemen, and uh, he was the first. He even has a some kind of award um, of him putting out uh, a f- the the first fire of a of a of airplane, and um, after that he. Uh, Got he had to, he got a job. He got offered a job as a bus driver, to uh, drive all the employees to uh, the airport. So really cool. So a uh, a gentleman steeped in uh, Costa del Sol history then, and and maybe maybe our anchor for that because the the next two co-hosts, myself and Alex, are actually born in England. Um, but Alex, I know you've got a massive affection for the south of Spain as well, and, and plenty of connections too. Yes, so one of my mum's closest friends, uh, best friend, lives uh, used to live in Madrid and then moved down to a place near Marbella, Nueva Andalucía, uh, quite near uh, to Malaga, about probably 45 minutes outside. And ever since I was about three or four months old, I've been going out there every summer and lived there for a few months uh, after my A-levels. And yeah, it's sort of, I think that's how the connections developed and, you know, fell in love with the place. And, you know, it's a, a second home. Yeah, certainly. Well, very similar to yourself, Alex. You know, for me, I refer to it as a place I fell in love with. And to be fair, you know, to hold my hands up a little bit, um, when I first thought about the prospect of going to the Costa del Sol, it was very snobbish of me to think, oh, you know, it's it's all red lions and, and, and English breakfast and it's just been completely anglicised and it's going to be terrible. How wrong could I have been? And since the first time that I went to the Costa del Sol, 
So uh, backstory for me is that my parents have got a, a residence over there that they like to frequent when they're not working as teachers. And me and my young family went across a couple of times, really got into having a good look around, exploring uh, the wider and Andalusian region as well. And what a fantastic place. And everything about me now is when's the next time am I going? Where can I go next time? What places can we visit? Largely what a lot of this podcast is going to be about. So we're very excited to bring it to you. So first and foremost, to get into everything, we're going to bring you some news, the latest news from the Costa del Sol as we are presenting this weekly podcast. Alex, I believe you've got some news for us. Yes. So, well, uh, as many of you will know, there's there's quite a large English community. So, you know, there's a foray of different outlets uh where you can get your news and well we we like to sort of bring it all together and um from this week obviously there's a situation you know going on at the moment in ukraine and you know my my thoughts go out to everyone affected by and uh there's quite a lot of russian or not just russians but especially for this piece of news there's a, a lot of russian people who live on the costa del sol you know oligarchs and have yachts in Puerto Venus and properties all over the Costa del Sol. And they're, they're beginning to feel it because obviously Europe has put sanctions on, on certain banks and, you know, certain things are now harder for, for Russians to, you know, they, they can't use certain banks, they can't use certain channels to, to move their money. So I think the Russians on the Costa del Sol are starting to feel that, you know, that they're starting to bite as the Surin English have quoted. Um, moving on to other sort of Ukraine-related news, um, there's certain organisations that are setting up food banks to send over non-perishable foods to Ukraine to help out, you know, because uh, obviously it's a, it's a dire situation, so they need all the help they can get, and it's, you know, it's wonderful to see the, the wider community grouping together to help them out. And... Also, on a slightly more positive uh, note, the unemployment rates in Malaga are back to pre-pandemic levels, which I was quite glad to see because, you know, as both of you know and anyone listening will know, that the Costa del Sol does rely quite heavily on tourism. And, you know, after months of being in quarantine, many people have lost their jobs. So it's good to see that things are looking back up and, you know, it's, it's starting to feel... A bit like normality again, uh, which is good. And, well, we can only hope for the better from here. Uh, a few more news items. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of news going on in the Costa del Sol. Um, it always know, does. It's, it's, a, it's a busy place. Um, I think, you know, I'm not sure if I could summarise the, the whole week's news in, in, in less than, than 10 minutes, but I've picked out a few important ones. Um, COVID restrictions in residential homes for the elderly and Luthier to be eased, uh, which is good. So if anyone listening has any uh, elderly relatives in, in care homes, things looking up. And Spain are also set to drop the requirement for quarantine if you're a close contact. Uh, which is good. And, you know, I think generally we're seeing the world starting to move back to a more closer to a, a state of normality as we can get, really. Um, I think those are the, the main ones. I'm sure we'll, we'll you know, cover a few more at some point over, over the podcast. But those are the key news items from this week. 
No, absolutely fantastic. And uh, great to hear those restrictions are easing because as much as, you know, it was a necessity, it did cause a lot of confusion and um, and sometimes difficulties for some people understanding if you are a tourist to the Costa del Sol. Um, Chris, obviously, I know that uh, you're planning on going over there soon. So, you know, obviously great news for you to hear as well. Yeah, definitely. What I've heard today regarding to the Ukrainian news that the first uh, Ukrainian uh, refugees have arrived to Malaga today. So um, they are well, or although well, how well can you be in this kind of situation? But they are there, um, safe. Yeah, about the restrictions, I think it's all very, not so very clear what kind of restrictions there are in Spain. Because it depends per region. Um, and yeah, what like what are the restrictions in Malaga at the moment? You know, I know them because I'm from Spain. You have to wear your uh, mask when you can't have social distance. Um, what else? I think that's it. You have to show your, um, your COVID passport. Well, on that note, actually, as of the 14th of February... COVID vaccination certificates to enter bars and restaurants and hotels, as well as hospitals and residence homes, are no longer required. So the Andalusian Health Minister, Jesus Aguirre, said that the government would not seek a court extension. He said the incident rate is going down and hospital pressure too. So that's to, to, to be honest, I was in Spain a few weeks ago and the only place I had to show my uh, vaccination passport was at the McDonald's. Nobody else asked me to to show me anything. So well, McDonald's seemed to be all over that front then. But yeah, no, I must yeah. admit, I would it be would be the same uh, from when I went back in October time. Though I believe obviously there was a lot of changes between now and then. Um, but certainly good to see that the Andalusian authorities are easing things uh, nice and slowly and not maybe going gung ho as some other places are that we shall not name them but fantastic that uh, yeah like you both alluded to we seem to be coming out the right side of the pandemic now and returning to some kind of normality so on that note let's return to some normality on this podcast and the first thing we're going to discuss is every week we're going to deep dive into a certain part of the Costa del Sol the Andalusian region visiting a town or a um, place that may be of interest to you guys to explore once you're over here on your next visit. And so all, the of them are in the, all of them are in the province of Malaga. That's important to know. Because all be, be, beside a, a, a Costa del Sol podcast, we are a bit of a, a Malaga province podcast, right? Yeah, nice and, and Malaga-centric as well. Because what is yeah. it, the easiest and best thing about Malaga is its connectivity to... Uh, to other places in the region as well, isn't it? So uh, Alameda being in the Malaga province, uh, about 40 minutes north of Malaga uh, by bus, which you can catch from the central bus station as well, and just in case you were wondering. It's a small town well known for its white buildings. Uh, it's also known for the fields and fields of olives that surround it, but also known for its bandits, which its most famous and maybe most infamous resident being El Campranillo, you guys might need, need to help me out with that. Uh, El word. Tempranillo. That's the one. Now that's the one. Now the word bandit might get thrown around with some negative connotations. Don't get me wrong. However, this is more of a Robin Hood type figure, I'm led to believe, not yeah. a 
criminal mastermind, as you would think. Um, I'm going to have to use some of my narcos taught Spanish here, and it would be right <laughs> to say paisa is is what we'd say Robin Hood in Spanish. Is that right? What? Paisa. I know they refer to a certain individual as uh, the paisa de Medellin. <laughs> is that I, I not the same? I, I don't know. I believe you directly. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to uh, check that one over again before I start using uh, Spanish I learned from the television. I love it. <laughs> but it, it sounds like he's more of a celebrated figure in Alameda is probably the angle I'm getting at. And you said, Christy, they dress up as him for certain occasions. And, you know, he's got his own tourist routes as well, in, in, interestingly, where he is on a, uh, a what do you call it, a... Uh, root, rooted at Tempranillo. Yeah, he's, he's like a real hero. He, um, they dress up like him. They even have scenes about him every week, I believe, which you can visit. They, they, yeah, they, they play his funeral every week. Uh, he's buried in the. He wasn't born in in, in Alameda. He, he he died there. He passed away there, and um, you can visit his grave in the. He's buried in the in the church. And um, yeah, at the church, they play every week. Uh, buses arrive to Alameda to see the funeral of, uh, well, not the real funeral, but the funeral of uh, El Tempranillo. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, it uh, sounds very interesting to go through the, the tourist route that they create, where you go through several villages as well on one of these tours. So it's a great way to be able to see, certainly that's what we'll call um, rural Malaga in, in this case. Uh, like I say, see those fields and fields of olive trees, which feeds into a lot of the food they eat in, in Alameda as well, uh, which we'll come on to in just a little bit second, because the second most interesting thing I find about Alameda is it's, it's one of the most earliest settlements in Spain, maybe even Europe, if we're going back to it. I think they are digging things up there from, don't quote me on this, but sort of like 250, 200 B.C., you know, so it's a very, very old place. And you can actually see the um, archaeological digs they have there where they're finding Roman forts. So, again, this is a place of quite some significance. The, they even have prehistorical uh, uh, things. Yeah, I was reading that. They've got, um, you, you can see that there's man-made caves in there, isn't there? Um, like, you know, from way back, way, way, way back when. 4,000 years old. Or forty-five hundred years old, I believe. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so uh, Alameda, obviously somewhere fantastic to go and see. A little slice of history mixed in with a bit of uh, infamy with uh, our bandit there, but also a great place to go and eat. And you'll be pleased if you are a bit of a foodie like me. You know, you guys, I don't know how you feel about your uh, Spanish um, cuisine, but I absolutely love going from place to place, seeing something new, something different, trying different food types. There is a fantastic food scene in Alameda and um, plenty of places to try the local dishes, which is great. You know, but one thing is they do in Alameda, which I think is the best thing. Instead of thinking what topa to choose, they walk around with, pl uh, with, uh, with how do you call them? Plates? Like plates, yeah. Or, or blades? Blades. Uh, where you to, to to carry drinks on to the table? Oh yeah, like, like a tray. A tray, sorry, tray. Um, they just put 
five or six different uh, tapas on it. And they walk around asking you what stopper you want. That's the way how they do it in Alameda. And almost every bar restaurant where they do tapas, that, that's the way for Alameda to uh, yeah, to 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 offer tapas to the people instead of a menu. I think that sounds absolutely ideal because that takes away maybe some of the choice. I don't know about you guys, but when you're sat in a restaurant in Spain and you're looking around the different tables and you're seeing, oh, I wonder what they've got there or what's that they can try. And it kind of maybe takes the decision making out of it for you. And you might find something that you um, never thought you would try before as well, which is quite, um, I think, I think um, eels is the one I'm yet to try. I've not been brave enough just yet, but apparently they are quite a delicacy. Um, in the region, but maybe one day. They have, uh, they even have their own, yeah, what I call it, their own uh, plate. They're the, the plate typically from Alameda, which is um, a porrilla de asparagos. A porra is a typical yeah, dish from Malaga. It isn't soup, but it has the same, same structure. And, um, well, the porrilla of uh, Alameda is one with uh, asparagus. Mm, which sounds is, lovely. Yeah. So it isn't soup. Everybody would say it's soup, but no, it isn't soup. Uh, the most famous porra is the porra de Antequera. That's from Antequera, but we go to Antequera another day. Uh, but this <laughs> is the porrilla de, de asparagus from uh, Alameda, which is uh, their traditional uh, food. Sounds absolutely delicious. So uh, when 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 we're going over in a few weeks' time, Alex, what is it? Just over four weeks from when I'll be there. Uh, maybe it's worth us checking out when we are next there. So Alameda, um, forty minutes by bus, just north of Malaga. Definitely worth a check out if you're into your history, your legends, and also your food as well. So. That is the first time we'll do it. At the end of the episode, we'll also select our next destination by Random Generator, which is going to be fun. We can have a bit of a, uh, a play on that. But we go to our next section, which is called Typically Malaga. And this is where Chris is going to talk us through something that is very, kind of as the name says, really, Typically Malaga. So, Chris, yes. over to you. Well, um, I don't know. In it, You guys didn't drink coffee, right? Only a little bit. Only a little bit. Alex, you? I, I love the stuff. And, and you know, uh, last week, was it Nick sort of uh, questioning how I could manage to have a coffee at, you know, was it 9.30 in the evening? Um, but, I, you know, I, I do love the stuff. It's in Spain. It's so when you're in, in, in Malaga when, how, or in Spain, you, Alex, uh, and, and Nick, when you're in Malaga, um, how, how do you order your coffees? Well, it, it depends. I'm obviously most of my coffee ordering I think experience comes from living in Madrid and you know I would ask for cafe con leche which is coffee with milk cafe solo without milk and one that I'm quite quite keen on after a meal is a cafe bonbon which is half coffee half condensed milk um, but uh, I believe they have a slightly different way of doing things down in Malaga don't they Chris? They really do. Um, it all comes from Café Central. Um, Café Central was a, a coffee bar place uh, where you could order coffee for more than 100 years. They opened more than 100 years ago, but they closed their doors in January 
uh, last month, which is which is uh, horrible actually, because uh, the historical cafe on the Plaza de la Constitución Constitución uh, grew to be the best and emblematic place to order a coffee in Malaga, and it was. This is the the horrible story. Um, you know why they closed? Because they, the owner had a meaning a difference, like a little fight discussion uh, about the rent he had to pay. It wasn't possible anymore to 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 pay more rent, and uh, that's why it's closed its doors. Um, but what they did, because in 1945, it was very difficult in Spain after the war and everything to get uh, coffee beans. So the owner had to come up with something. And what he did was he invented different ways of coffee, which became very famous in the whole province of Malaga, but also all over the world. Um, Yes, so that's that's the way how you can order your coffee. Well, not that I'll come to there later. Um, but even though that Café Central is closed, in the whole province of Malaga, all the Spanish people ordered their way, ordered their coffee in the way um, of Café Central. And what the idea was of the owner was to um, mix coffee with milk and then give them different names. So you have, for example, a solo is just coffee. Um, a largo is coffee, 90% coffee and 10% milk. A semi-largo is 70%, 75% coffee and 25% milk. And solo corto is 60% coffee. And that's only coffee, it's like espresso. A mitad is 50% coffee. And 50% milk. It says Spanish in uh, mitad in Spanish means half. Uh, entre corto is 40% coffee, 60% milk. Corto is 30% coffee and 70% milk. Sombra is 20% coffee and uh, sombra is 20% coffee and 80% milk. And the nube is 10% coffee and 90% milk. And that's, that's the one I drink because I don't like coffee, but I drink coffee when I'm in Spain <laughs> because it has 90% milk and a slight touch of coffee. So that's okay for me. And the last one, and that's the funny one, is no me lo ponga. And that means I don't want coffee at all. <laughs> so you would get an a empty glass. Oh, which is fair enough to be fair. And that, and that is good to know because uh, very much in my, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn Spanish, but I don't always, as you both know, get it 100% right. It's going to be a running theme throughout this entire podcast, which is going to be quite funny. Um, but, you know, I only know Café con leche, por favor. And, yeah, that's, and, and that's fine. But then how how, how much milk do you want? Well, my wife well, this, as well. Well, this I is really two choices, don't you? And... You know, my wife, for example, she's very much in that school of thought where she's like, well, actually, I only want this much coffee, maybe this much milk. Or someday she'll wake up and she'll be like, I need a strong coffee, so I need to have that much. And I'm downstairs going, what? Uh, <laughs> and you're, you, you'll be with your finger doing, what? Uh, how much was it? Yeah, yeah. Look, looking at the different pods going, what's all this about type of thing? But maybe when we go over to Spain in a few weeks' time, 
you know, not having this knowledge now, I might be able to get the exact coffee she needs without completely messing it up. So uh, thank you very much for, for sharing that. I know I've certainly learned something and I imagine Chris will put that on our socials as well. So the guys at home of course, can yeah. have a little look for themselves too, but definitely worth a check out uh, if you're going to be ordering coffee in Malaga sometime soon. So thank you very much, Chris. You're welcome. Lovely. Right. So on to the next part, and that is going to be a focus on what's on. But also just to uh, take a little click back, when we are talking about typically Malaga as well, if anybody is interested to come on and talk to us on the podcast about maybe their bar and restaurant, their event space, maybe like a museum or a, I don't know, one of those inflatable things in the sea that you find at Fuengarola. Yeah. What do you think of those? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit terrified of them because really? it sounds weird because I've lived by the sea my entire life, but I have a very big fear of the unknown of the sea. What's beneath the surface kind of thing. I'm, However, I'm only scared of jellyfish. Exactly. What if there's a jellyfish in there? That's, that's the only thing I'm scared of. I, I, I once paid 20 euros to, to go on one, one of those inflatable sea monsters. And then, um, I was five minutes on it, and then I started to see jellyfish everywhere. Oh, around no, me. not for me. There, there were jellyfish everywhere. So I've paid for an hour, and uh, all I did was sit on top of it. And just watch. <laughs> and, and just watch the, the jellyfish, because I was scared as hell, because I didn't want to, to get stung by a jellyfish. Uh, but my friend who was with me, fun story he jumped in the water once um in the first five minutes and he got stung twice in a second Oof. and and tears were coming out of his eyes i said no no i'm staying here i'm going to sit i'm going to get a tan and that's fine for me i paid 20 euros for that and it was funny because everybody was walking around us and and like jumping and doing crazy i was like sitting you- there it sounds like you've definitely found a way to do it. And if I'll give you both a bit of a heads up, really, because uh, amongst this group, there's myself and Chris, who've got uh, young children, Alex, uh, obviously you being the younger of the three, um, don't have such a pleasure at the minute. Um, but as I've got a four-year-old daughter, the main thing that she'd like to do is, whilst we're walking down many of the fronts or promenades in Costa del Sol, whether it's Fuengarola or Ben Madina or down Marbella, they are everywhere. And it's just that insistent, I want to go on that. I want to go on that. So far, I've managed to convince her it's not a good idea. I think this next trip, it's going to be the time I'm going to have to bite the bullet and go, all right, let's go on it then and conquer my fear. But it's more easy when they are four, right? Because my son is two, little Javi is two at the moment. He's turning three in a week. Well, week and a half. And um, when I say no, he starts screaming and shouting and crying. And they say it's normal for the age. So I don't worry because he's he's the most wonderful kid there is on earth. Um, but that's easy to say when you're a father, I think. Um, but it gets better, right? I'm asking for a friend. I don't really want to shatter your, um, <laughs> your 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 perfect picture there, Chris. Oh. But yeah, sure, it gets better. 
it, it definitely doesn't get worse. <laughs> but no, to be fair with you, and on the whole, I always joke about this, to be fair. My daughter's absolutely fantastic and I wouldn't change for in the world. However, um, when they do learn to talk and, and when little Javi uh, definitely gets his full vocabulary like our Ruby does. Well, this will surprise you. I, I went to the doctor with him or, yeah, the it's like a consultant who checks little children to see how they grow, how they're... Um, health is if they grow good enough but also like if they can talk pick up stuff and um, Gavi has the talking level of a five-year-old kid oh wow and I can tell you why I'm not sure if my mother-in-law uh, will listen to this podcast or my sister-in-law they talk so much <laughs> they don't stop talking they always talk every second of the day Um, so I think it comes from there. And we did start reading with him when he was a baby. He was like three months old. We started already reading before bedtime. So oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. That sounds like uh, little Javi's on his way to uh, being able to order his kind of coffee soon in uh, when he's next in the Costel Sol, which should be absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, and obviously such a fantastic place to take children to, like a sad joke about the inflatable thing. They are actually fantastic and the amount of uh, outdoor spaces with parks and places for parents to sit. It's the one thing I think they should improve over here in England is that every park should have a bar with um, tapas on tap, <laughs> which would be fantastic. So I'm sure we'll explore more of those in the future too. So moving to what is on in Malaga um, over the next week or so, uh, Alex, you've got some exciting uh, news about a odd sport for the south of spain really yes so uh well i wouldn't be surprised if, if no, no one knows but i'm a big lover of cricket and been playing it for a while now and on the costa del sol there is a european cricket league running until the 11th of march so it's got another about a week week or so left and if you're in the costa del sol area in the cartama oval in malaga And uh, we managed to see a picture thanks to the cricket district. Uh, they put out a lovely picture of the Cartama Oval in Malaga. And it, to be honest, it did make me want to go down there and play some cricket uh, quite quite swiftly. But you know, unfortunately, I can't I can't afford a, a train just to play a game of cricket. I feel like I might have been a bit silly. Um, <laughs> but they have uh, games going on until the 11th of March, as I said. Um, so they've got, you know, the group games are now all finished. They've done through that and it's now heading towards the eliminators. Um, so from the 14th to the 18th of March, they have the double round robin and uh, qualifiers. Uh, and then that leads up to the championship final on the 18th of March. So if you're wanting a little bit of cricket if you're missing a little bit of cricket i know england are about to embark on a tour in the west indies so that may take up your cricketing needs but if you want to watch some live cricket and you're on the costa del sol head down to the cartama oval in malaga and you will see hopefully some lovely cricket weather permitting that picture of the cricket ground the you know very much in your frame of mind alex definitely somewhere that I think one of is just for the novelty more than anything because like you say it is the least place you probably expect to find a cricket pitch on the European continent so definitely go and check that out before the end of the tournament later on this month uh, from my perspective I found uh, as I've demonstrated before 
big foodie, me, and a food festival is definitely up my street. I'm going to need your help pronouncing this, either Chris or Alex, because I know I got it wrong yesterday. I didn't learn my lesson. So is it Ardals or Ardales or, or how do we say that? Ardales. Ardales. Did I get that right? Yeah, very well. Perfect. Well, this weekend is actually the Fiesta de la Matanza de Ardales, which is, if you don't know, a incredible celebration of traditional sausages and other pork products that are produced in the area. And it's kind of what the area is renowned for as well. So like I say, you know, putting it on a plate for two things. I like food. I like sausages. It, I'm kind of sad I'm not there. You'd say a matanza is, is really like um, slaughtering the animals feast, a slaughter feast, like a traditional thing. So... Oh, we don't get to see part of that, do we? I was hoping it'd be more. It says here it's there'll be. Oh God, yeah. It says as part of the festivities, local women will demonstrate how the delicacies are made using the utensils of yesteryear. Yeah, I slow pan to the camera there. Now that you've just revealed what that means to me, this is why we all need to learn Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently there'll also be twenty I... market stalls where you can browse and purchase sausages, as well as things like uh, olive oil and goat's cheeses, a lot of uh, regional cuisines. But yeah, maybe if you are uh, fancy enjoying your food at the festival, skip the first bit. If 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 you love to see how it's done then it's perfect. Uh, for example, I, I am I used to it maybe in some kind because it's part of the of the old Andalusian tradition. That's how they used to do back in the day. So that's a bit what they celebrate going back to their tradition. And that's what they life, love in, uh, in the south of Spain. So mm. in every village, also in Alameda, you, you will find a like a museum with with all of the elderly machines they used uh, for farmers in the fields. Yeah, I did see that for Alameda as well. There is a, um, a farming museum, essentially, and, and yeah, obviously with a lot of it related to olives. Michas also has a farming museum with the same kind of things. So would you have to visit them all? No. Besides, I didn't tell you guys that I was close to being Alameda. I was very close. Recently or? or? No, a, a few years ago, <laughs> I went to Antequera and my granddad, who was still alive back then, um, said, no, we go this way. And my nephew, I was in the car with my nephew and my granddad. And my nephew said, no, that's like 40, 40 minutes further driving to get to Antequera. And my, uncle, my granddad said, we're going to eat at Caserio de San Benito. I thought, okay. And, and my nephew and I didn't know what it was, but you know, you don't go against your old man. So at the A45 between Antequera on the way to Alameda, there is Caserio de San Benito. And if you're ever in the area, go eat there because it's wonderful. Because it also has a small kind of old museum. And it's like alongside a provincial road, which is big. There's nothing around. And then you see the Caseria de San Benito. And it has like a museum. Uh, 
with old, old stuff. Also, of course, of Tempranillo, that decade and, and to bandits, uh, but also farming and a lot of other things and really great foods, really traditional. It's famous. And uh, we went there. So, yeah, that was great. Sounds absolutely lovely. Oh, well, definitely um, go and check out. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I think, obviously, looking back at the, the traditions of things is very, very important for, for anywhere, really. But, um, yeah. I, I think as- they, they, they live it more in Spain, in south of Spain. So that's, that's also a thing why we do the podcast, right? To- yeah, exactly. Like you say, maybe a lot of people who, who are listening who are very interested in seeing how... To explain... That- explain yeah. learn together i don't know everything you guys don't know everything so yeah oh no Ooh. certainly certainly and then on to you chris just in terms of uh what is on or or should i say what is ending soon i know you put something out on the socials in regards to the carnivals that are uh, happening all around the malaga province but uh, i believe we've got some ending this weekend yes uh, the carnival started last sunday or saturday and uh, it's ending this weekend. And how? Uh, today, Friday, as we record on a Friday, um, we have, it's busy now, uh, the Gods and Goddess Parade in Calle Larios started at two o'clock. But tonight, and that's fun, is the Batalla de las Flores. It's a flower fight. Is that mm-hmm. also yeah, that's quite interesting, that. Yeah, definitely. So and one, one of my favorite things, and that's that's really great, is the Drag Queen Gala, which is tonight in the Plaza de la Constitución. And then tomorrow Carnival ends, or Sunday Carnival ends, with the Goddess and Goddess Parade again, the kids' games and performances on the Calle Larios and the Plaza de la Constitución. Constitution at 12 o'clock and at 7 o'clock the parade and the burning of the Boqueron which they do every year and it starts at Calle Larios at 5 o'clock so if you want to see something go definitely go and see um, the Drag Queen Gala and the uh, burning and the parade of the Boqueron the Sardine Mm, well, sounds certainly um, something everyone can get on board with. Uh, and especially a lot of things to be doing. I'd like to really catch that. Uh, I don't know about you, but Alex, but I'd really like to see that throughout the festival. Um, next time I'm over, see if I can change some holidays around and, and really go and see that because some of the pictures I've seen have been spectacular, to say the least. So, yeah, that is everything that is happening with the carnivals and what is on in Malaga. So we are going to move on to the weather as well, if I can find it again. So just to let you know, over the weekend, we are going to see somewhat of a sunny yet cloudy weekend. There's going to be highs of around 16 degrees across the Costa del Sol. And then looking ahead throughout the week, there are going to be some chances of rain. However, I believe down there at the minute, it's quite welcome because they had a particularly dry February, I think Malaga Airport reporting just two litres of water dropping, which is the lowest ever for uh, the month of February. And then also turning brighter towards the weekend uh, with temperatures of 20 degrees expected by next Friday. So plenty of sunshine to look towards. Now, 
gentlemen, the fun part. Are we looking forward to the next town spin? I'm very excited. I, I can't wait. Maybe my time will be in it. There are so many cool towns. I think it's worth mentioning for a comedic effect when we we had already decided on Alameda before we, you know, just started the this week's podcast. And when we did the spin to see what would happen as a test run, Alameda came out on the out of all the 103 towns that we could have possibly picked. Alameda was the one that landed on when we spun it first. Yeah, Very the province of Malaga counts with 103 different towns, which is crazy. And this frightens me in doing it this way because I don't want to go to Malaga yet. <laughs> and I don't want to go to Ben Almadena yet. And, well, there are a lot of places I don't, don't want to go to yet because they're like my, my number one. Well, it all comes down to the look of the spin. So I will get the spin underway. And Alex, if you could read out the winner when it appears on your screen. So hopefully the noise works with this as well, because it's great for effect. But let's go. We have a winner. And a little round of applause as well. I do love the sound effects. And, well, Monte Gordo is our town for next week. So if you're on the Costa del Sol next week and you, you want a, a day trip maybe and you're not sure where to go or you're from Monte Gordo and you, you want to give some love to your town, then do get in touch. And, yeah, looking forward to exploring the wonderful town of Monte Gordo next week. I was going to say, Chris, do you know where Monte Gordo is? can't say I've heard of it no. myself. Nope, never been there. Know nothing of Monte Corto. There are also a lot of like really small towns. I believe Alameda has almost 6,000 inhabitants and Monte Corto, I don't know how many they have, but it's probably less than uh, Alameda. So it's fun to get them to get to know them all, actually. Well, absolutely fantastic. We'll be looking forward to finding about all the information of Monte Corto this week. This Saturday, gentlemen, brings us the end of our premiere debut first ever episode of the Lobster Club. You've been absolutely fantastic, the pair of you, and been such an enjoyable first recording. So I'm going to say goodbye from me. Goodbye from Chris. Yes, definitely. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And especially YouTube is important to subscribe so you'll get a mention whenever a new podcast is out and it's free. So uh, please help us with your subscribe uh, subscription. And if you have any questions, that's the funny thing. Um, if you have any questions related to Malaga, Costa del Sol, what Spanish people think, what, what people from Malaga think, eat, whatever they do, what their, their way of living, just ask them because... We will give you find you the answer. No, absolutely lovely. So uh, all the information available on our social media pages too. And Alex, I'll say adios to you. Adios a todos. Uh, it's been been a pleasure. It's a nice, well, a nice journey we're setting on now. And yes, uh, looking forward to say so we are on Instagram. So do give us a follow on Instagram. And yeah, forward to bringing you the wonders of the Costa del Sol and Malaga next week. 
absolutely fantastic. So thanks again to you for joining us at home. Join us next week where we'll have another fun, Phil packed episode. So that's hasta luego from me and we'll see you next week. Thank you.